Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down right next to me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Joel Carver. Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate your time. You have a new book out in stores. It's so exciting. The title is The Adventures of Grandpa's Dentures, Ivory Goes Camping. Now, Joel, you got to tell me about this. I love this title. Well, this is this is a long time coming book for me, Corey. It's it's actually from true stories of when my grandfather and I were we would go on trips many times, and accompanied by my grandmother, and they're true stories. Hmm. What I've done is I've kind of put them in a story form and illustrated them. My father-in-law had illustrated the first book here. But they're very funny experiences that my grandfather had with his dentures. He had a love for his dentures, of course, I'm sure, like most <laughs> grandparents do. They would get lost in the funniest places. And we just had a great time as his grandson and uh, I'm sure the other grandkids do, experiencing those, uh, those funny events. Hmm. So what was your inspiration to write this? What gave you the idea to write this story and publish it? Well, it's, it's, like I said, it's been a long time coming. I had written some of these down, and I wanted to share these funny stories of my grandfather, who I loved dearly. He actually helped raise me when I was just a little guy. Hmm. And later in my high school and college years, I ended up back up living with my grandparents again, and they would travel with me. And the inspiration came from, you know, just these actual events, be at restaurants, you might say, and we would be eating, and my grandfather always would have a tendency to, you know, want to clean them off, and he'd put them in a glass on the <laughs> restaurant table, and then we'd walk off and leave them, right? <laughs> and then the the waitress would be chasing us down in the parking lot <laughs> with his glass filled with dentures, you know, so... <laughs> It was uh, things like that. And I'm sure that many, many grandparents have had and grandchildren have had experiences with their loved one's dentures. And so these stories that I wanted to share with my kids of my grandfather, and they actually, many of my kids knew my grandfather and my great-grandparents. I just wanted to leave something with my kids, uh, the fun that I had with my grandparents. But along the way, there were so many other lessons that I learned, you know, that uh, life doesn't have to be stressful. <laughs> you know, look at, for, the, for the things that are humorous and some of the tough times even that you might have in, in, in your life and uh, look back on those funny experiences. I'm actually going to be following up this one with probably another three books oh, wow. that have these true stories in a fictional type setting. So actually my grandfather, my grandpa, Colin, has these uh, dentures that have had all these experiences and we of course have given him, given it life. This, these dentures have a name, it's called Ivory. They, they call him Ivory, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Ivory takes on his own little character. It's just really a fun, fun book to read, but it also has some really good meaning and lessons to be learned of, you know, how to, you know, even even during a tough time, like he gets lost, 
and you know how many times we get kind of got some trials that we have to overcome but he just makes the best out of it and he just goes on smiling and has a great time <laughs> until grandpa comes back and finds him so it's a lot of fun yeah, Joel, I'm one of those people that can definitely identify with stories like this because some of my fondest and most terrifying times with my grandfather were those times I was sitting on his lap and he would turn and look at me and pop those dentures out. It was like none other. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I think that a lot of families and a lot of children, grandchildren, a lot of people, those that with dentures and those without, you know, can relate like yourself. You've had those experiences and you look back on with them either on a scary moment because you, you, <laughs> you think that part of their teeth should be glued in there and not be coming out. But <laughs> I have one, probably my, my next book that I'm going to be writing. It's a children's book too along the same lines. Ivory goes flying. So Ivory has a lot of experiences. Wow, sure sounds like it. But, you know, they're, sometimes they're pretty tough, but <laughs> Grandpa always ends up finding him, and Ivory is really happy that he's been found. Mm. And I encourage my listeners to check out this book. The title is The Adventures of Grandpa's Dentures, Ivory Goes Camping. This is written by Joel Carver, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can find it anywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Joel, thank you again for joining me here at the show tonight. I had a nice time chatting with you. It was great, Corey. Thank you so much. Appreciate all you do. As fiery as the sun, as moody as the moon. That's the name of the new book in stores right now, written by Corelli Luesa. And Corelli is right here with me now. We're going to talk all about it. Corelli, thank you so much for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking with you tonight. Corelli, can you tell me what readers can expect in As Fiery as the Sun, As Moody as the Moon? Yeah, definitely. So this is a collection of poetry. It's a collection of poems that can really be applied to almost everything and just read in different orders. And it's mainly about just learning that self-love journey and understanding that you're not alone on it and that no day looks the same compared to the one before and the one after and the one coming. So that's really what to expect. It's just a beautiful collection of self-love poems. Hmm. What inspired you or what lit the spark for you to take the poetry that you've been writing and collect it into a book and then publish it for the world? Yeah, so I think what pushed me and motivated more so is that at the beginning, this was just really an outlet, like just for me to write it, almost like journaling. And then somewhere along the pandemic and after, it was just really noticeable how much people struggle with this portion of mental health, like self-love and self-awareness. And so mm. it really pushed me to write it all down in, in a way where people can relate to it and, and have something to read and not feel like we're just in this crazy life alone. And so that's really what pushed me and motivated me to put it all in writing and put it in this collection and in this way where you can read it and not have it feel so heavy when you're just going through day-to-day-to-day -to -day -to -day life challenges. Hmm. Corelli, is this your first venture then into the arena of publishing books? It is. It is. Definitely planning on writing more, but this is my first published work and it's amazing. Did it take you a long time to put together, then put through all that publishing process thing? Yeah, the writing process, I think for me, took about three years, just mm. on and off. Like I'd pick it up and I'd put it back down. And going through life itself, I felt like I just didn't have enough. Like I'm like, no, I, I need more, I need more. And so 
I just let the juices flow. And so whenever they came, I would pick up and write. And when they weren't there, I didn't force myself to write because I wanted it to be genuinely authentic poetry. And so, yeah, it took me three years. The publishing process itself, probably about close to a year, maybe even less than that. Fulton Books has been amazing with getting that going and and walking you through it. So that part was fairly quick compared to the creating process. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of doing this kind of thing for the first time. So do you have any advice now that you could offer to those who are in that same spot? Yeah, definitely. I learned to just keep pushing and keep writing, even when you see these blanks in your creative process. I think what I would tell these upcoming authors out there is just to keep writing when you are motivated and know that you're still creating even when you're not writing. The subconscious mind is so beautiful and it's working for you and the thoughts will come. And then when they come, you write them down and you believe in yourself enough to ask and to look for someone who works with you in getting your book and your work of art published. Hmm, That's great advice. (laughs) You talked about working on more to get more published in the future. Now, is that poetry as well or are you thinking of venturing outside of there and exploring some other writing? I'm definitely a poet at heart, definitely. My first language is actually Spanish, and so I am working on translating this book into Spanish, just completely Spanish. And then my third, hopefully, book out after that will be a Spanglish poetry book. So I'm very excited to push that out. It would be like you reading a poem in Spanish and in English on one page for all my bilingual people out there. So I'm really excited. But poetry does call to my heart way more than any other form of writing. Well, Corelli, I think a lot of readers are going to get a lot out of your poetry. And I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's titled, As Fiery as the Sun, As Moody as the Moon. It's written by Corelli Loeza and is published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get this one anywhere like at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, Google Play, or down the street at your local bookshop. Corelli, it's been wonderful speaking with you here tonight. Thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me and for taking the time to talking with me about this. Thank you. In the Bible, the book of Revelation is truly a great wonder for a lot of people. And that's actually the title of the next book here that we're talking about at the Reader House Author Roundtable. It's called Revelation, The Great Wonder. It's written by James Stone, and James is sitting right here with me now. We're going to chat all about it. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you. That's my pleasure. James, can you tell me all about Revelation, the Great Wonder? What can readers expect here? As you said, it's really an amazing book. The Great Wonder is actually the words of John himself. And it actually reveals for the believers the capabilities to overcome, as John would say, the great dragon, the beast, the false prophets. It's actually a book about everyday life, which is quite a wonder in the fact of how most people look at it. Mm. James, what kinds of readers were you writing for in Revelation the Great Wonder? Really the serious Bible student. The book itself, as I had one recent pastor tell me, I don't get in the book because I can't understand it. But when we go in it by verse by verse and just take the time to get through it, it'll open up itself and it will reveal some tremendous truths, the basic truths of what Christianity is really all about. Hmm. 
What gave you the idea? What sparked you to write this and publish this book, James? Well, for the last 30 years, I've been conducting what I call home Bible studies, and I just started from one book to the next book, started with Romans and First Corinthians. And then as I would go along, people would say, well, when are you going to deal with Revelation? And I would tell them, well, I'm not quite ready yet, but I had been getting some inspirational thoughts about the book. And so when I started to get into it, I saw that it is a marvelous testament of God at work in the world. And I thought, I need to put this in print. And did it take you a long time to write and publish? Yes. In fact, as I do in a Bible study, it took me almost two years to go through Revelation. Mm -hmm. What I did was I just started at verse 1 in home Bible studies and taken it for thought or a paragraph at a time. So it actually took two years, a little over two years, to go through the book. Then as I was going through it, I would be writing the particular sessions. It probably took another six months or a year to put that together. Hmm. What are the chances we'll be seeing more books from you in the future? I've already got three waiting hmm. to see how this one goes. After I went through the book of Revelation, I went through the book of Matthew, which took me almost two and a half years to get through it. And after Matthew, I'm in the book of Acts right now. Matthew is ready to go to print, and Acts will probably be ready in about a year. And James, a lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. So what's your best advice that you could offer them? Perseverance. Mm. Just hang in there. <laughs> and when something is being birthed in you and you want to get it into print, just get started and be ready to take revisions on it and go back and check and, and check and recheck. Scripture says the Lord's well able to complete what he started. So just hang in there. Do you have people in your life, James, who know that you're taking this kind of thing on, and they can be there to encourage and support you along the way? Uh, yes. In fact, I've had four or five key mentors in my life that I can look back and see how God was using them to encourage me along. And mm. of course, my immediate family, even though my wife has passed away, has been pretty much behind me in whatever I did. So so the Lord will bring people along that will help you out because the nature of Christianity, contrary to our society, which is individualistically motivated, the scriptures actually tell us that we're social creatures and we do need one another. I think a lot of readers will be blessed by this book. It's titled Revelation, The Great Wonder. It's written by James Stone and it's published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. James, thank you again for being here with me and telling me all about your book. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. My privilege to be with you. The Trials and Tribulations of J.D. Baby Cakes. That's the new book in stores right now, written by D.A. Walker. And D.A. is right here with me now, and we get to chat all about it. D.A., welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate you. Well, I certainly appreciate your time tonight, D.A. So tell me, what can readers expect in the trials and tribulations of J.D. Baby Cakes? Well, first of all, it's fictional, and it's sprinkled with humor and saturated times with a spiritual presence in both thoughts and actions of the Huron in this book, which is J.D. Baby Cakes. And J.D. Baby Cakes, in my opinion, is a little bit of each of us. She's imperfect. 
She has a wandering mind that seems to focus on specific as well as wider issues of our society through wit and humor. Having said this, J.D. Babycakes has a mysterious side to her as well. The book is broken down into 106 individual short stories of 150 words or less. So it's quick reading with pauses of forethought and reflections for those readers who wish to dig deeper into the context. And at the end of each story is a lesson of some sort, whether it be a gleam of enlightenment, words of wisdom, or a discombobulated thought that may make sense to some and not to others. This is the imperfect beauty of Baby Cake's mindset, as she is sometimes called. And finally, Corey, J.D. Baby Cakes tends to mimic everyday life as most of us know it. She is in evolution. She continues to evolve with time, with life experiences, in wisdom, in truth, and in conflict. And this is what makes her human, her overall imperfection of knowing her strengths as well as deficiencies. It's about one person's odyssey, namely J.D. Baby Cakes whose life exemplifies what the majority of we as individuals want to understand ourselves. Who am I? A leader, a follower, an in-betweener, or a space saver? Hmm. So what gave you the idea or the inspiration to write this book and publish it for the world? Wow, that is an easy one. Believe it or not, it was really the Holy Spirit. It's been a very I just call it divine intervention. I say my Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And I guess for those who aren't from the spiritual realm, they wouldn't understand that. But those who do and are, they do understand that. And I can't give any other credit to anyone else. And before this, have you ever written or published before? Oh, yeah. I haven't published, but I have written. And actually, I've got six other books that I've written, but have never been published. So this is my first book published, and believe it or not, a sequel, part two, is coming to the Trials and Tribulations of J.D. Baby Cakes, which is almost halfway completed. And again, this was definitely not on my radar. (laughs) Did this take you a long time to write and then put through all those publishing processes? Great question. So the inspiration came from a short story I entered into a contest. And the instructions were that it had to be 125 words or less with a quirky ending. Believe it or not, Corey, this was on September 28, 2012. Yes, 10 years ago. Mm. And I never heard a yay or nay from the publishing company. Now, fast forward to October 2019 through Divine Intervention, my book assignment began. And so after 106 written stories, I made my first publishing company inquiry in September 2020, which was at Christian Faith Publishing Company, a very appropriate name. And after researching them, I submitted my manuscript in November 2020 and also signed on officially with them. So in answer to your question, it took me just under a year. Mm. After all that time, all that work that you put into it, what was that moment like for you when you finally got that first physical copy in? What was that like? Oh, my gosh. Honestly. It was just a sense of gratitude Mm -hmm. and, yeah, just plain gratitude and being humbled that God continues to elevate me spiritually through my obedience and my trust and my patience to this magnificent gift he has finally bestowed upon me. Because it's just, it's always been a seed seed that has been planted that I knew that according to God's plan for me, it was going to be something magnificent. And, you know, again, it's all about being obedient. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to be into this book and should check it out. I hope so. The title is The Trials and Tribulations of J.D. Baby Cakes. It's written by D.A. Walker and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
Of course, you can grab this one up anywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, DA, thank you again for coming on the show, telling me all about your work. I had a really nice time talking. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, Corey. Thank you so much. God bless. When a Soul Becomes Human. It's a new book. It just hit stores. It's written by LJC. The author, Corey, is right here with me now at the show, and we're going to chat all about it. Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. It's great to be here, Corey. It's great to be talking with you. Corey, can you tell me all about When a Soul Becomes Human? What can readers expect? So, When a Soul Becomes Human is an adventure story that introduces from my life experiences and research that I conducted insight into the universe that we exist within, where I wanted to be playful in challenging the limited notions of science and the stern beliefs of religion and tie that together with a adventure story of one soul's introduction to Earth and the universe as I've learned it. Hmm. What sorts of readers do you think would be really into this? I hope that teenagers and adults alike would be interested, but anyone willing to stretch their imagination and just see how much is out there in the universe that we may or may not be aware of, I think would find it interesting. How did the idea come about for When a Soul Becomes Human? This was an idea that I had as a teenager that I wrote down in a piece of paper some long time ago that I knew that I wanted to write about at a later time when I was in a position at which I could really have fun and explore these concepts. Mm. And so that draw back then till now led me to getting into a position where I was able to really dive into this as an author. And it was just good timing. Mm. Now, before this, before When a Soul Becomes Human, had you written or published? I have not. Mm. Congratulations. Getting that first book out there is quite a big deal, and I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. So, Corey, do you have any advice that you could give to the aspiring authors who are listening to us right now? I think if I really had to consider the best piece of advice that I could offer is that when you're looking to publish a book, don't overthink it. Just run with it and get it going, and you'll find that in a lot of times it'll take a life of its own. And once you get in that groove, you just go with it. Did writing this take you a long time, being your first book? So I started it roughly around 2018. COVID and, and life events put me in a position where I didn't feel as excited and happy to write. So that prolonged it a little bit into 2020 to 2021. And so it took about two and a half years to actually get it published once I started writing. And after all that time, once you got the first hard copy in of this and got to hold it and look at this thing that you've been working on for so long, Corey, what was that moment like for you? A lot of nervousness, excitement, kind of giddy. Definitely did a little bit of dancing. <laughs> and what are the chances that we'll be seeing more from you in the future when it comes to writing and publishing? Definitely loved it. And I already have two additional books that I'm working on. Hmm. Not in tandem, but I have started them. And I enjoyed the process very much, and I would love to continue it. It definitely can be a process that's really enjoyable, but it's not always easy. Sometimes you can hit some roadblocks, like maybe writer's block, or maybe you just don't have the ideas anymore. Did you ever hit any of those challenges? I did. There were a couple of times, especially between 2020 and 2021, that I think everybody in life were dealing with their personal challenges. And at times I had to take a step back and just give it space. Mm. And at other times I had to write it up on the wall and really try to visualize it and act out what I was trying to get to, to actually be able to put pen to paper. Corey, who are the people in your life who inspire you and maybe motivate and encourage you? My wife, 
first and foremost, she has been a big advocate for me doing this. And my family back home in Michigan, I'm in Arizona, originally from Michigan. And when they heard that I was getting ready to be published and I wanted to write this book, they were definitely advocates for me sticking to it and getting it done. Did you have a routine when you were writing? Are you like an early morning writer or a late night writer? Or did you just write when you found that the time and ideas were available? Since it was my first time, I, I tried a little bit of everything. I would have to say that the thing that worked best for me once I got through all the things that didn't work <laughs> was that when I felt like writing, I had to really tell myself, you need to go write versus trying to structure it. I found when I did that, I, I really limited my output. Mm. I really think a lot of readers are going to get a lot out of this book. The title is When a Soul Becomes Human. It's written by LJC and is published by Fulton Books. You can pick it up everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Corey, thank you again for stopping by the show and telling me all about when a soul becomes human. I had a nice time chatting with you. It was my pleasure. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author R.E. Atkinson. She has a new book. It's out in stores right now. It's titled A Path of Conviction. Rebecca, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Rebecca, can you tell me what readers are in store for with A Path of Conviction? Well, it's not your typical romance novel. My dad, of all people, found that out. He was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, he was reading it out of obligation. <laughs> And he came to me and goes, oh, it wasn't a romance story. It had mystery and all these twists and turns. And I went, yeah, Dad, I know. And he was actually shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little different. It was really hard to um, pin down in a category because it didn't fit neatly into the romance genre. It didn't fit into the mystery suspense thriller or anything like that. But it kind of has an element of all of those things. So where did the idea for this come from? It started off years and years and years ago when I was working as a substitute teacher and I had a lot of time to kill in classes when kids were just doing work. And so I just started writing out kind of an offbeat love story. And I love the Regency time period. So I set it in that and I found that the Regency and most historical time periods can lend themselves well to giving you a dramatic effect mm -hmm. and a little bit of distance for a reader and that they might not have this if it's set in a modern time period. So you can play a little bit more with suspense and suspend disbelief a little bit. Mm. So I just started writing it and it kind of, it takes on a mind of its own as you go along, as you develop your characters. And if you allow them to, they can become their own life, so to speak. And you don't have to, if you allow them to. They can kind of organically grow and build upon themselves. And so by the end of your first edit, you're going back and changing them because their personalities have kind of become clearer and you can go back and fine tune them a little bit. So it really didn't grow out of anything other than I just wanted to write a love story, so to speak. Hmm. Rebecca, once you sat down to write this clear up until it was published, was that a long time or did things happen fairly quickly? No, it's been, let's see, my oldest daughter is 16, and I started writing it before I got pregnant with her. So it's been 17 years. 
because I had to raise my family. And so I wrote it and I tucked it away. And so my husband said, you know, you really need to stop hiding these things. You need to publish them. So here we are now. But it was a very long, long process. Yeah, often just finishing it up is the toughest part of the whole process. Yeah. So whenever that day finally came, you got the first physical copy in. What was that moment like for you, Rebecca? Surreal. Mm. It was surreal. In fact, mailing it off to my friend in England who helped me because the, the house in the story is a, is a real house in England. Mm. And I tried to locations and places Obviously, names were changed, but you can actually go to this house. It's a National Trust house, and I have a friend who lives fairly close to it. And so he um, sent me pictures and information and house layouts. And we've been friends now for over 10 years. And when I finally was able to send him a copy and he's in the back of it, there's credit given to him. And that was really rewarding because it felt like I was giving him something back for all the care and support that he'd given to me. So it was really nice to be able to give that to him. And if nothing else came of it, it was nice to be able to give him that little piece of, I guess, immortality to some degree (laughs) you get when you publish a story. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this book. The title is A Path of Conviction. It's written by R.E. Atkinson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Rebecca, thank you again for joining me here and telling me all about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you. U.S. Economic Reconstruction Proposal Project. It's the new book. It's out in stores right now, written by Tarwo Boley. And Tarwo's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about it. Tarwo, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about what you've written in U.S. Economic Reconstruction Proposal Project? Yes. As you all know, you know, the United States right now is having a difficult time. If you really look at it, it is not really difficult. All depends, you know, if everybody can, you know, put in the effort. And that is the economy right now is not doing well. We own a lot of jobs, I mean, debts and all kinds of things. You know, the industry is not doing well. What I look at is that we could bounce back if we really focus on uh, investment. If we really focus on investment, and that is we have to find the money to invest. As I look at it, the only people that have the money to do the investment are the taxpayers. So if the tax people can come together, you know, organize themselves, put in some money, and the money is well managed, and we can immediately come in and start, you know, bringing by job, creating jobs, booming mm. the economy through industrial production and what I feel, taking on infrastructure and all those kind of things. We just need to organize ourselves. If we do that within a shorter period of time, the economy can and bounce back. Taro, what sorts of readers were you writing for? Oh, I'm writing for the American public, you know, the taxpayer, the youth group, the women, you know, the men, everybody, everybody with me, you know, the American public. And have you ever written before? What's your writing background look like, Taro? Oh, I'm not good at writing, actually, but 
I looked at the need. There's a need. So I just, you know, with all my little knowledge I have, sent it to the American people so that we all can look at it and I will go from there. Mm. How long did this take you to write from when you first started sitting down, writing it, clear up until it hits store shelves? Well, I've been in this business for quite a long time. I, you know, I look at the future, you know, very bright. And sometimes when I discuss community or sometimes I wrestle this thing, how people say, oh, you think too big, you think too big. Well, yes, I think too big, that's good. You know, I have to think too big to call everybody. So actually, you know, during the COVID time, I have a little time. All day, also, I said, okay, don't put the idea together. So that's when I really developed a book and put it out there. When that day came, Tarwo, and you got the first physical copy in of U.S. Economic Reconstruction Proposal Project, what was that like for you? Wow, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. To see my name out there, <laughs> I'm trying to do something for the good United States. I couldn't believe it. And up to now, I'm still fighting, you know, very, very hard to implement my, my ideas. Mm. What are the chances we'll be seeing more from you in the future when it comes to more books? Oh, yeah. Right now, I'm on the second book, and that was, you know, detail, you know, what people should expect, you know, what group of people would be benefited, what America would be like within the next three years within the process of organizing this idea. So the next book will be going to detail, actually. And that's what I'm doing now. Hmm. Tarwo, as you well know, a lot of time and energy goes into writing and publishing a book. So for you, what's the most rewarding aspect of now being a published author? Right now, I'm so blessed to be in a position that at least I want to make a world a better place. Mm. So for me to read this book, it's an honor for me, especially for the great United States. It's an honor for me. So I look at my achievement to be something you know, worthy, and I am now going to stop here. I will try my possible best, work along with people, so that this idea can put it into practice. Well, I know a lot of people out there are really going to like this book and ought to check it out. The title is U.S. Economic Reconstruction Proposal Project. It's written by Tarwo Bully and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Tarwo, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you about your book. Thank you so much, too, for having me. Our Dream House. It's the new book. It's in stores right now, written by Janet Lombard Clements. And Janet is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk all about it. Janet, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So, Janet, can you tell me all about Our Dream House? Well, it's a story about a rabbit family who actually, in my opinion, lived in like 1905 and <laughs> it's old world kind of. It's just basically telling you about the events that happened to this particular family, like in three-fourths of the year, from spring, summer to fall, and just the things, just things they encountered during that time. Hmm. What sorts of readers do you think would be really into our dream house, Janet? I hope everybody, but <laughs> I kind of focus it on 
a younger generation. Uh, I know people today are not into old school, the young people, but I kind of like wanted them to see how some people used to live back in the day, mostly like from age 7 to 13 or 14. From what I understand, um, some people say anybody could read it because they may remember some of the things in the past and uh, relate to it and, you know, just might enjoy reading it. So it's just a light story, nothing heavy, you know. Hmm. Janet, how did this book come about? How did you get the idea to write it? Well, actually, I was living in Illesheim, Germany at the time. I was staying on an army base with my son and his family. And uh, I spent a lot of time in my room. And then when I wasn't in my room, I would spend time in the library over there. And so I would bring all my papers with me. And when I just didn't have anything to do, I would just sit down. And it's like I was drawn to a table to sit and write. And then I just picked up a pen and paper and just started writing. I don't even know where that. I just, just came flowing, you know, like from the grace of the Holy Spirit. It just kept flowing out of me. And the more I wrote, the more I had to write. And every time I would set the pen down, I got right back up and had to go back to it because more ideas was just coming through my head and I couldn't stop them. But me, if I don't write things down right away, I will forget them. And sometimes in the middle of actually writing, more ideas were streaming through my head and I can't. I tried to hurry up and get through writing what I was already had started writing and then try <laughs> to get through the new stuff, you know, before I forget it. Wow. So is this a quick write then for you, Janet? Yeah, well, I mean, when I finally finished it, I went back on to writing other stories. I just couldn't stop writing. So it was me doing the writing, but it was the Holy Spirit writing through me. Hmm. Is this the first time you've been published, Janet? Yes, it has been. It's the first time I submitted anything. Wow. Congratulations. It's such a huge deal to do that. So much time and work goes into writing a book and then getting it published. What was that moment like when you finally got that first hard copy in and you got to hold this thing you've been working on? It was it was surreal. I still don't believe it, mm. even though, um, like I said, I'm holding it in my hand, but I'm saying, who is this person? <laughs> you know, I don't know this person. So, And I had to realize this is me, okay? <laughs> this is not like me to think about achieving anything like this, you know, mm. in my life. So you said you were writing other stories. So you plan on publishing more now in the future? Well, um, yes. Um, hopefully, I'm I'm submitted something else. I know it's too early to hear back from them because I'm still, you know, getting this promoted, this book here promoted. But I did submit something, and um, hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers and praying, and hopefully, maybe the second one I submit will be accepted too. A lot of people listening to us right now, Janet, are authors who are just starting out. So, do you have any advice that you could give them? Write about what you know. Just write about what you know, and it's all I can say any more about that. And you have a passion to write, Janet. What is the most rewarding aspect to you about getting your word out there, being a published author now? Well, I kind of like wish I could give feedback, hmm. you know, from someone just to let me know how they, did they enjoy the story, how did they feel when they read it. <laughs> I don't could, did they take anything away from reading it, but it's you know, just enjoyment. You know, if you had that, let me know some kind of way. If I hadn't heard too much about whether anybody liked it or not, so... That's the only thing I'm concerned about. Does somebody actually like it and mm. enjoy reading it? That's what I like to know. I think a lot of readers are really going to love this book. The title is Our Dream House. It's written by Janet Lombard Clements, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Janet, thanks again for coming on the show, telling me about Our Dream House. I had a really nice time talking with you. 
Thank you, Corey. I enjoyed speaking with you as well. I'm delighted right now to be sitting down here at the Reader House Author Roundtable with author C.L. Black Jr. C.L., welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. There's a new book out in stores that you've just put out. It's called Fundamental Rules for Kindergarten 101, My Paradigm of How to Become a Genuine Human Being. So, C.L., can you tell me about this book? Sure. It's basically a book that was designed to, you know, if we could go back and remember back as far as kindergarten, it's rules that I kind of developed and wanted to basically apply them to, like, everyday life as an adult. And, you know, over time, I, it's something I wanted to focus on, and then it just became more of a project, and, and I got a little bit more serious about it and came up with, you know, enough material or content to uh, put something out there. Hmm. Who are you reaching out to with this book, CL? What kinds of readers do you think would be really into it? Well, I think that given, you know, most of my observations of most human beings this day and age, anybody can benefit from it. <laughs> Seems like I run into individuals on a daily basis that maybe could benefit just by sitting down, you know, either reading or doing the audio, however you, the best way for you to pick up on some self-help material. A lot of people do it, you know, with the audio version these days, but mm. it was designed as, you know, a short piece of work, you know, maybe an hour read just because, you know, anytime you're doing things that revolve around self-accountability, self-help, these types of things, I think, you know, from an attention span, it can get overwhelming. And so it's more of like a reference tool, something that you may want to come back to from time to time. Hmm. CL, was this your first time writing and publishing? Yes. I call it my baby, but like really it's kind of raw. I mean, compared to where I'm I'm writing at now, you know, if it was on a scale of like one to 10, probably like a four, <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get something out there and be more proactive. It's been a calling of mine for some time now. And I just wanted to get something out there to get me started and basically practice what I preach. <laughs> <laughs> How long did this book take you, CL? It was probably the better part of maybe like four months consistently in the mornings for about 20 to 25 minutes. I kind of blocked off a period of time that I used to use for um, or utilize for like meditation or different types of like audio things I would listen to, whether it would be motivational driven type pieces of work or audio Bible or whatever. I just kind of use that block of time for my writing now, which I wasn't doing before. This was kind of like something I came up with better part of a decade ago when I was going through like a rough time and then I just kind of followed through with it. And it got me where I needed to be as far as getting into a routine to uh, write more material. So like right now I'm working on, I think I have like five projects going on with my publisher, Fulton Books right now. And I'm into my seventh one right now. I just oh, haven't wow. given them the sixth one. But the second one is actually my next 24, which is actually, ironically enough, it came out before Fundamentals because I, I went back to Fundamentals and I had to change some things. I wanted to change some of the examples. So my next 24 kind of simultaneously came out at the same time. Mm. <laughs> What advice would you have now for people listening who are the authors who are just starting out? They're just about to embark on this journey of writing books and being published. I don't want to sound cliche and say, you know, just live your dream and 
<laughs> do it now. But generally, most people do things in life because it's like they have some type of internal calling or they get their butts in gear because something happened, you know, along the lines of catastrophic nature, you know? Mm. So most people that are going to get involved with this are going to fall into one of those two categories. And I just have to say, just follow your heart and try to make some time. If it's that important to you, you'll, you'll find the time in your day to at least devote maybe even five minutes and get you started and start training your brain to get into some type of routine on a consistent basis. Good advice. Well, the name of this book is Fundamental Rules for Kindergarten 101, My Paradigm of How to Become a Genuine Human Being. This is written by C.L. Black Jr., and it's published by Fulton Books. You can grab this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, plus traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, C.L., thanks again for joining me here at the show. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Sitting down here beside me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Scott Abramson, M.D. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Well, I appreciate your time. Scott, you have a new book. It's out in stores now. It's called Bedside Manners for Physicians and Everybody Else, What They Don't Teach in Medical School. So, Scott, what can readers expect here? Well, this is a book that comes out of 40-year experience of practicing medicine. I practiced with Kaiser Permanente, and it's about 40 years of listening to stories, really, listening to stories from my staff, from my colleagues, and mostly from patients. And I learned, you know, so much from them and so much about communication with patients and with staff and with colleagues. I also did a lot of work with physician well-being in our organization and talking about resilience and burnout and, and those sort of things. But the point is, it's not just about physicians and physician communication. It's about really the communication from any human to another human. And it's about dealing with work-life balance for anybody in any field. Hmm. Scott, is there something in particular that sparked you to write this book? What gave you the idea to go ahead and sit down and get this done? Well, Corey, you know, there were so many stories that just came up. Things like this would happen all the time, like I'm a neurologist. So I saw people, a lot of people with memory issues, challenges, and so I would evaluate them for Alzheimer's or dementia and that sort of thing. So I see a, a lady and I do my tests and my evaluation, and I'm thinking, man, I'm a top-notch neurologist. Why I handle this questionnaire and test her and examine her. And I thought everything went fine. It was great. And a few hours later, she calls my, my nurse and says, you know, I'd like to see a new doctor. Hmm. She says, you know, uh, your Dr. Abramson may be a good doctor and he seems to be smart because there's all these diplomas on his wall, but I do not like him. Hmm. She says, you know, he gave me these tests and he told me to remember three things and do some math and draw a clock. And, he, and she said, you know, I know I got some things right, but he never said once that I was doing okay. He never gave me a compliment, you know? And when I heard that, I said, you know, this is such a divulgence in communication. I think I'm doing great, but in reality, I'm doing lousy. Mm -hmm. I remember there's a, there's a quote by George Bernard Shaw. He says, the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens with a lot of physicians and a lot of clinicians and a lot of people in any walk of life. And so I realized then that she was right. I mean, I should have said something nice. I should have given her a compliment if she was doing this. 
Because even people that are memory impaired, they know the value of a compliment. Mm. So things like that would happen, and I would get the, and I would see what would happen in my communication, in communication of my colleagues, and what patients would tell me, and all these things sort of accumulated. And every month, I would write an article for our 10,000 group physician about these issues. But what sparked it, Corey, was incidents like this that happened all the time that showed lack of communication Mm. and the illusion that we think it took place. When it came to the publishing side of things, getting things formatted, deciding what the book is actually going to look like, what was the most challenging part about that? Oh, boy. You know, it was always a challenge, you know, with the editing, you know, the editors would, boy, I I didn't realize how bad my grammar was and punctuation (laughs) was and they just laid it on me. I, my fifth grade teacher, Miss Dean, would be would be furious at me for all those mistakes. I I guess that was probably the one of the biggest challenges. Do you think you'll be publishing more in the future now? Well, there's a lot of stories that I left out in this book, and and so there's a lot of stories left left over, and there's a lot of stories that that I'm going to be listening to as time goes on, and so who knows. Scott, an awful lot of the people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. Do you have any advice for them? You know, I would just say this, listen to the stories all around you, because that's what this book is. It's just an accumulation of stories. And there are stories that happen every day if you just listen. There are certainly a lot of stories around us. And thank you, Scott, for telling yours and using them to reach out and to help others. The title of this book is Bedside Manners for Physicians and Everybody Else, What They Don't Teach in Medical School. This is written by Scott Abramson, M.D., and is published by Covenant Books. You can find this one everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Scott, thank you again for joining me tonight and telling me about Bedside Manners for physicians and everybody else. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. I appreciate it, Corey. Thank you for calling. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 